G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Well, thank you for joining us for the very first 2020 podcast, one of many to come, I'm sure. Don't forget, you can listen to the entire 2020 program on Australia's Vision Radio Network between 10am and 1pm Eastern Standard Time in Australia, or of course around the world on vision.org.au on the internet. We're about to hear an interview that Neil Johnson did recently with Elizabeth Kendall. Now, Elizabeth has highlighted an issue in Africa, in particular the nation of Tunisia in Africa, a warning too that what we'll be hearing isn't suitable for some listeners, as we'll be hearing quite graphic detail about how a Christian was murdered for his faith. Neil started by welcoming Elizabeth to the program. Hello, Neil. Elizabeth, this nation of Tunisia, it was one of the early nations that the whole world was focusing on in what became known as the Arab Spring. Uh, but there's been a uprising there, as is happening in so many of those nations that are a part of the Arab Spring, where Islamic militants have come to the fore and uh, certainly exerting real pressure on uh, the surrounding populations, and in particular Christians. That's right. Um, and, you know, before the Arab Spring, Tunisia would have been known uh, as probably the most open, free, progressive, uh, westernized, European type of Africa, of um, Arab country in the world. It was, uh, you just didn't hear reports of persecution. There was even quite a, uh, an acceptance of converts to Christianity. Uh, it was a, a very free and open state, more, more than anything. It's, na- it's the neighbouring states, Morocco and Algeria, they've had problems. Morocco has been, um, uh, for some time, has been expelling foreign Christian workers. Algeria has, had, uh, you know, has enacted uh, repressive laws against churches. But Tunisia has always stayed free. Tunisia uh, was famous for its monasteries when it was part of the, uh, the Roman Empire, Carthage being the most famous, the home of, um, uh, you know, of the great uh, monasteries, and uh, it, it was a centre of Christian learning. And uh, even after the Arabs had taken over it, I think that Tunisia has been different to much of the Arab world. Now, Tunisia was the first country from where you know the what we call the Arab Spring sort of sprung. Uh, it was in Tunisia that a young man who was um, struggling to feed his family got so frustrated that he poured you know, kerosene over himself and set himself on fire, triggering the riots that pushed the government out in Tunisia. And as we've seen in subsequent uh, countries, particularly Egypt, it has been the Islamist groups that have been the most organised uh, politically and have now come, have ridden in over the top of everybody else and have taken power in Tunisia. And what, is, what happened just recently that I found incredibly distressing was uh, 
video footage was released actually on Egyptian television. Uh, I can't understand how it could have been released, um, but it was. It was screened on Egyptian television, on, on uh, Egypt Today, footage taken uh, allegedly in Tunisia of Islamic militants beheading a young male convert to Christianity. And, and in, in the pictures you see these um, Islamic militants with balaclavas, they're chanting uh, Arabic slogans and Arabic curses. They're reciting from the Quran, and they're holding this young man down on the ground. He's a young man, about 22, 25, maybe at the most, and he's uh, refused to, to, to recant. He's resigned to his fate, and he's quiet and still, and he's just mouthing a prayer while they carry on, and then they hack his head off with a knife. And... You know, this apart from the, the death of this young man, for me, that it's also like the death of Tunisia itself. It's the death of something that was. You know, here's a country where we used to say, well, you know, Tunisia is the example of, of an open and progressive Arab country, and now converts to Christianity are being killed by Islamic militants in the most horrendous way. And, um, you know, this... The, the uh, scene would have been probably reminiscent of the, the Apostle Stephen, you know, being stoned to death by the angry mob that hated him. And uh, this is the reality of uh, for Christians living in the Arab Spring. Now, when it comes to these sorts of situations, there does seem to be a pattern that we often hear about when Islamic uh, uh, fundamentalists uh, gain certain, uh, you know, uh, status, their power rises, then it becomes very, very serious when someone converts from Islam to Christianity. And, of course, they call it uh, apostasy, of yeah. leaving their faith to join another, which is Christianity. And, and of course, the consequences uh, are what you've described, uh, that, uh, that there is real consequences for uh, someone who converts from Islam to Christianity. Yes, there is death. And, and of course, the the really big thing in the in all this is the total lack of law and order. So probably a lot of these militants have been, you know, around. They've probably been in in the Sahel or in Algeria or floating around with Al Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb for a long time. And now, since the Arab Spring, you've got a breakdown of law and order, a breakdown of of borders and of security uh, mechanisms. A breakdown of justice processes, so Islamic militants can uh, can move into uh, regions of of Tunisia where they wouldn't have been able to move before, because uh, the security forces would have would, would just simply wouldn't have allowed it. Uh, so now they've got free reign and they can pretty well act with impunity. So the whole lawlessness and the chaos of the place. Uh, in the wake of the Arab Spring, is really fertile soil for Islamic militancy like this. Do you think that young man losing his head, uh, being beheaded by Islamic militants, is really just the tip of the iceberg, that this is happening with regularity in, uh, in countries like Tunisia? I wouldn't be surprised if there's more than what we see. I mean, there always is more than what we see. I, I wouldn't like to guess how widespread it is. Um, I would imagine that the militants are probably militants who have been connected with Al-Qaeda in the Islamic Maghreb, probably not just 
Possibly, anyway, not just local Tunisian Muslims. I don't think there's been a lot of radicalization in Tunisia. I think um, a lot of Tunisians have voted for Islamic parties, but probably with a little bit of ignorance that they're not really... I don't think they actually know quite what they're going to get. There's been a lot of division in Tunisia. There's been uh, protests by women uh, complaining that uh, the Islamists have started going around forcing everyone to put, put on veils. There's been uh, protests against uh, media restrictions that, um, as the Islamic government is now clamping down on media, that they regard to be un-Islamic. And it's just going to be interesting to see which way things turn. I think if any country has a hope to really maybe reverse uh, the, the Arab Spring in their land, I think Tunisia would be, would be it. But uh, it's going to take a lot of courage and a lot of, um, probably a lot of sacrifice. Neil Johnson chatting with Elizabeth Kendall about what's happening in Tunisia. This is taken from the 2020 program on Australia's Vision Radio Network. You can listen to us at vision.org.au on our smartphone apps on either iPhone or Android. Or, of course, you can tune in on AM or FM in many places around Australia, over 500 in fact. But let's go back to the conversation with the religious liberty expert Elizabeth Kendall as we discover ways in which Christians can help our persecuted brothers and sisters in Tunisia. When it comes to us Aussies here in Australia, Elizabeth, it's somehow that we feel you know, quite isolated from uh, those events that are going on where the Arab Spring is primarily taking place, countries like Tunisia. How should we be uh, responding and what sort of things should be part of our prayers when it comes to uh, the Arab Spring and particularly in a nation where we've, uh, we've heard of now this beheading of a Christian because... Uh, he was described as an apostate, someone who's converted from Islam mm. and has found that hope and life in Christ. Well, we just continue to pray that God will uh, protect his church and to shield them and to guide them and to give them wisdom and courage and faith. Uh, and we, we pray that Tunisian Christians will always be looking to Jesus that uh, when they come across these incredibly faith-testing times, that they will not lose heart and not be tempted to to think that God has left them. You know, the great temptation uh, is that when we suffer, we think that God has left us. You know, Ephesians 6 talks about the fiery darts of the evil one. uh, And I often think these, these thoughts, you know, that God has left me. Well, God doesn't love me anymore. These are, these are the fiery darts that the devil fires at us. And it's the shield of faith and the helmet of salvation that, that keeps us safe. But uh, it's very easy to say it. We need to pray that, that these Christians will be able to rise to the occasion. And, of course, they can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a lovely passage in Isaiah that I love greatly, in Isaiah 8, where God tells Isaiah how he is to walk in these perilous times and and Isaiah then shares this with his disciples you know and he says this is how we are to walk through these perilous times he says we are to to uh to walk differently to the world right so don't treat God as if he's irrelevant and we think differently we have to think spiritually and not just materially and we have to fear differently so we don't fear what the world fears and there's a promise attached to it. 
God says to those who do this, I will be a sanctuary. And the really interesting thing about this promise is there's two different Hebrew words for sanctuary. They both translate as sanctuary. It's just the poverty of, poverty of our language in some respects. But there's the sanctuary that is a, a place of refuge. Right? I'll take you into the sanctuary where you'll be safe. Right? And there's sanctuary which is the place where God dwells, like the inner sanctuary of the temple. Uh, it's the place where God dwells in all his holiness. And that's a different word. It's the word mikdash. And that's the word that God uses in his promise. So he's not promising that if you follow me and trust me, you'll be safe. He's saying, if you promise me and trust me, then I will be with you in all my holiness. And I think the martyrdom of Stephen, we sort of get a glimpse of that a little bit, where as Stephen is about to die, he sees the Lord high and lifted up. And, you know, this is, this is a promise. It's not always a promise that we'll have a vision but it's a promise that we can grasp and know that when we're trusting God and following him, he is with us in all his glory and it can be experienced and it can be felt. And, um, you know, I think of that young Tunisian man not resisting, not recanting, just quietly mouthing a prayer and there's this confidence that I have that he was actually experiencing the presence of God in a remarkable way. And so we pray for, for them that they won't lose heart and that they won't lose faith because, you know, God also uses these things to lead others to, to, to Christ. That young man is an inspiration to all of us. Mm. And uh, just reminded of New Testament illustrations that we are all a part of one body, the body yes. of Christ, whether we're here in Australia or scattered right around the world. And when one part of the body suffers... We all suffer with it, and uh, and so our prayers are going to be for Tunisia and uh, for those believers, those who have found the truth in the Lord Jesus Christ, who have converted from Islam, who are recognized because they have done that as apostate and uh, therefore risk their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, Elizabeth, uh, always appreciate your insights when it comes to these issues, and we'll talk again sometime soon. I'll point people to your blog spot. Uh, People will be inspired to pray when they see your blog spot. Uh, If you're wondering how to find it, either Google Elizabeth Kendall or you can go to vision.org.au. You'll find the 2020 blog. There'll be a link there to Elizabeth's blog spot. Elizabeth Kendall, thanks for being with us again today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.